Very short, very simple, but a word that we need to hear today. It says, therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Let all the faithful, let all the righteous, let all the godly pray to you while you may be found. We believe in prayer, but do we pray? Do we really pray? Do we really seek the face of the Lord on a day-to-day basis? Are we as a church really seeking what God wants to do in our hearts and our lives in 2023? Or are we just relying upon our past experiences? A story is told about a man who was trying to find the right posture for prayer. He hadn't felt the presence of God, so he was experimenting, and he he knelt down thinking if he knelt before the Lord that he would connect with the Lord, but soon he grew very uncomfortable. So he read in the Bible how people stood in the house of the Lord, so he decided he would stand and pray, and his legs got weak and tired, and that didn't seem to work either. So he sat quietly, reverently. That didn't seem to work. He was frustrated. He decided to go out for a walk, and he was walking in an old field, just talking to God, and all of a sudden he fell into an open well, head first, and he learned how to pray. (laughs) He learned to pray. And I think, man, that is so much like me sometimes. We get hooked up on, you know, the hows of prayer. There's different kinds of prayer. We understand that. The postures of prayer. And we study prayer. We talk about prayer, but we never master the act. In fact, we don't really find ourselves in a real attitude of prayer until we have a need. Crisis in our life. And then prayer begins to flow. Friends, I don't want any of you to experience a crisis in your life in 2023, but I do want you to experience the power of a consistent prayer life in 2023. I feel deep in my heart that the Lord is calling us individually, every one of us, and also calling us corporately as a church to prayer. To prayer. Prayer that's consistent, prayer that's fervent, prayer that's really sincere, prayer that's spirit-led and spirit-empowered and prayer that will change our lives. Man, I just feel, friends, in my spirit that there's a, a, a strong need for us to get back to really the basic of prayer. Because before we step forward into 2023 for the things that God wants us to experience, we need to step our lives up in the spirit through a prayer force. I sense that. Now, we've just concluded our week of prayer. I hope many of you have followed along. We had a prayer theme every day. We had a prayer devotional that was posted on our Facebook Connect page. Many of you have already testified to the the powerful message that those devotionals brought to us and that's all good and fine but I'll just tell you I don't want us just to have a one-week prayer emphasis I feel God's calling us to a year of prayer 
And I'm not talking about a program. I'm not talking about a special night. I'm not talking about... Now, some of those things might flow as the Holy Spirit leads us. But I'm just really talking about you and I walking in a closer, more intimate relationship with Jesus where we are constantly in an attitude of prayer that no matter where we are, whatever we're going through, our first response will be to cry out to the Lord. He'll guide us. He'll lead us through the power of his Holy Spirit that is in you. If you've asked Christ into your heart, you have the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not anything new for a pastor or a leader to call the flock to prayer. We see that throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, when leaders found that their armies or that their people were at the crux of a battle, individually or corporately, there was often a call out from the leader for prayer, for consecration, for worship. We used to have prayer summits. We used to have uh, times of, of, of concentrated prayer on a set date. And maybe the Lord will have us go in that direction. But friends, I don't want to just build some kind of prayer program. I want it to begin organically in us. I just want us to become people of prayer. Because I think God is calling us into a, a couple of years that he's going to do some incredible things. And to prepare for those things that God has for us, we need to become people of prayer. We need to make ready. We need to gain perspective that God's will will be accomplished in our life without our flesh getting in the way. You know what I'm saying? I sense that that same call is what God is giving to us today. Because I think we're on the brink of some special days ahead. Man, we've been through a lot the last three years. Our church is not the same as it was three years ago. And it shouldn't be. God has given us this moment, this perspective of how we can be most effective in 2023. And I think he's doing something new. I think we're gaining a better perspective on what God wants us to do as a church. I think he's refining our vision of inspiring lifelong relationships with Jesus. That's a great vision. But what does that really mean? How do we walk that out? We're only going to find out if we truly ask God, if we seek his face. See, I think our time, our best days are waiting us. They're, they're ahead of us. Now, I'm not talking about numbers. That's easy to look back and say, oh, four or five years ago, we are running two services and we had this going and this going. No, we don't live on past manna. We say, Lord, what is it you want to do for us today? And I'm not talking about a level of new numerical growth. I'm talking about a level of spiritual intimacy, a level of spiritual maturity. That's what God is calling us to do. A new level of anointing where we'll have more words come forth like we did through Angela and Trina. We'll have more miracles happen. I look and See Christina back there, and it was just last fall that Alan prayed for Christina one Sunday morning here at this altar. And it was a migraine, is that correct? She had a migraine, but she came to church anyway. 
And Alan prayed for her. And God took that migraine headache away from her. I want to see more of that miraculous. And it's going to come, friends, but it's only going to come as we prepare ourselves through prayer. And that's what God has declared. That's what Jesus reinforced that this house should be. This house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. So today, friends, as we begin 2023, this is really not a New Year's message. I mean, I, I, God could have given this to me in the middle of July. So it's not a New Year's message, but it is a message that I feel God is giving us. I'm calling us. Listen, I'm calling each of us, including myself, to be more intentional and more disciplined in our prayer life. Not asking you to come to a special meeting, not asking you to join a prayer group. I'm talking about your walk with Jesus. Become more intentional, more disciplined in crying out to God and seeking God. And we just need to turn the heat up a notch in this area of prayer. Take it more seriously. Seek God more fervently. Three things I want to share with you today about prayer. And the first is that change is always initiated by prayer. Now we have to say, Lord, change us. Change our hearts. Change our direction. Change our financial situation. Change our ability to minister to people. Change our, our degree of, of compassion. Change my heart that I might have a burden for souls. I mean, there's all sorts of change that we want in our life. Make me a better husband. Make me a better employer or employee. Make me this, make me that. But change, any kind of change, individually or corporately, is initiated by prayer. We see that in the scriptures. Church change is important. I'm glad we're not the same as we were 10 years ago. Church change is important. We live in a changing world. We'll have new leaders. We'll have refined vision. We'll have a new way of doing things in the year ahead. But there's got to be the foundational mainstays, the hallmarks of a growing church. You look in the Old Testament, you look in the New Testament, you look at the apostolic day, you look at the revivals throughout the world and particularly in the United States in the last couple hundred years, you'll see they've all been birthed in prayer. Now, it's easy for me to look back and say, oh, I remember those days back at Forks Assembly of God. I remember those days in the gym when Mike and Todd and I and a group of leaders returned from Toronto and we had some wonderful services. And I remember this and that. But friends, it's like old manna. All that does is remind me that if I get serious about seeking God, I'm going to find him. And God's going to bless me in a new and a fresh way. And that's what we need. Don't hang on to the past. Let's not try to recreate the past. God wants a fresh anointing in our lives and our church in 2023. Let's not become stagnant. Some of you have been to Israel. You've seen the Dead Sea. <laughs> it's dead. It's stagnant. No fresh water coming in. That's a terrible place for a church. It's even more of a terrible place for an individual to be. And I want to ask you today, is your, your life 
like a stagnant pond or is it like a, a bubbly brook where there's always fresh water, fresh anointing coming in so that you can give out. And as you give out, there's more room for that anointing of God with fresh vision and fresh power for your life. See, that fresh anointing, that fresh change I'm talking about is going to be birthed through prayer. I believe it. When the currents flow and there's this intake and an outflow, there's a freshness. It's wonderful. The stale, the stagnant really doesn't appeal. The foundation of prayer is what helps us to receive that fresh anointing of God. Let me share a couple scriptures with you. The first out of Isaiah chapter 56. These I will bring to my holy mountain and I'll give them joy in my house of prayer. I read that a couple weeks ago and I thought maybe that's a key to me being more joyful this year. Because it says, <laughs> I'll receive joy in the house of prayer. If you need joy, maybe you need more prayer. And again, I'm not talking about a, a, a formula. I'm not talking about a certain type of prayer. You're just talking to God. You're just communicating with him. Scripture goes on to say, their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus quoted that. You can find it in Matthew chapter 21. Jesus said, as it is written, he reaffirmed, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And then it's one of those wonderful prayer videos that we watched this week pointed out the second half of that verse says, but you're making it into a den of robbers. Man, it's recorded twice more, that statement, in the Gospels. And what my fear is, and I don't want to see happen to an actually first assembly, as we trade our purpose in for a bunch of pizzazz. Or we, we trade the meaningful in for the minimal Trade the powerful in for the poof. <laughs> oh, you can draw people like that. But friends, that is not the way to have a solid foundation of ministry. Church, we've got to get back to a fervent, expectant prayer. And again, I'm not saying we need to recreate the past. Oh, I was telling the guys at our Thursday morning group not that many weeks ago, about when I first became pastor. And every single morning, Monday through Friday, 8 o'clock, Bob and Dolly Lloyd and a few of the other old-timers came and spent time in the prayer room every morning. I remember our prayer room up where one of our classrooms is now. Those were good things, and I cherish the memories, and they taught me those things. But I don't want to go back and try to recreate. I want that fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit to flow through my life and to flow through our church this year. Because prayer will prepare us for whatever changes God will bring into our midst. Because change is good. We don't want to be stagnant. And change comes as a result of prayer 
from a people who are turned toward God. The second thing is that closeness is determined by prayer. Now that's where I think the Holy Spirit took what was in my notes and <laughs> dropped it in Trina's heart. She already said this. If you want to get to know somebody, you got to spend time with them. Closeness is determined by prayer. Oh, we all sing just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. But you know how we're going to get closer to Jesus? By talking to him more. As you're driving down Western Street, turning off the radio and just talking to Jesus. Amen. It is. That's what it's about, sissy. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Closeness is determined by prayer. Well, we've all heard Jeremiah 29, verses 11 to 14. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Now remember, when this word was given to Israel, they were in bondage. It was not a good time for them. I mean, this was like, you're kidding me. Is this what you call prosperous? <laughs> no, it was a difficult time for them. But his plan was to prosper them, to give them hope and a future. And then the word says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. Sometimes God uses our circumstances like the man who fell in the empty well upside down. Sometimes God uses our circumstances to draw us into that closer relationship to him. But friends, we need to walk in tune with the Holy Spirit 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can hear God talking to you in the aisle of Safeway. The more you we pray, the closer we'll feel to God. I, I, don't, I think everybody in this room understands that. The more you pray, the more you just sense a connection. There's this point of contact because fresh water is flowing into your soul. On the other hand, when we're not praying, we sense, better yet, it's not that we sense, we actually know that we're not where we need to be. And there's many times that, you know, things aren't going well for me. And I think, man, I just, what's wrong here? And I think, oh, I've left my prayer life slip. Now, see, the circumstances might not be any different, but my attitude's different toward those circumstances. Might be the same trial I'm walking through, but I have peace and security and joy and hope if I've been praying. If I haven't been praying, I see nothing but destruction and negativity, and doom, and gloom. You see, prayer does change things, but more importantly, we need to understand prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. We'll feel God in a closer uh, manner. God can and will be found when you seek him in prayer. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him and you'll look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. 
Matthew 7, 7 to 8, ask and it will be given to you. But you need to ask. Seek and you'll find. We, we want to find, but we have to seek first. Knock. And then the door will be open to us. For everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who seeks will find. And everyone who knocks will have the door open. Remember what James 4 says? It says, come near to God and he'll come near to you. You want to feel closer to God? Closeness is determined by prayer. That promise is true for you and me and also for us as a church. Some of you have watched Anne of Green Gables. I love that line where Morella says to Anne, God has no fair-weathered friends. The statement could not be any truer. You're either near to him and you know him, or you're not, and you don't sense him. The third thing before we spend some time in prayer today is whatever your challenges are, I want you to know that your challenges are conquered in prayer. Oh, we can try to figure out how to fight our battles and how to win the victory. But God often says, the battle belongs to me. Be still. Let me do the fighting for you. Our battles primarily are supernatural battles. And those supernatural battles need supernatural weapons. And those weapons are prayer and fasting. Not our own ingenious plans of how we're going to get the upper hand. Challenges are conquered in prayer. If you don't believe me, just read through the Gospels and look at the life of Jesus. Even when he faced... His greatest challenge, the challenge of the cross. He knew that the time had come. Everything he had done up to that point was in preparation to go to the cross for us. It had to be met head on at that moment of his life. And what did he say? Lord, this is really tough. It's quite a challenge. If there's any way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus won the victory of that challenge that moment in prayer. One of the things I've really admired about Pastor Darth throughout the years is he often will use that same line in his prayer. Whether it's around our conference room table as we gather every workday morning at 9 o'clock, we have devotions, we pray. And we pray specifically for needs that have come to our attention. And we'll pray the way that we hope things go and that we want things to go. But more often than not, Pastor Darth will lead us and say, but Lord, we're going to trust you no matter what. Not our will, but your will be done. And I think, boy, that's the voice of Jesus. See, the challenge the disciples had in doing the work of the ministry is addressed in Matthew 17, where he said, friends, you can't do the work of the ministry. You can't set people free. You can't transform their lives. You can't get rid of evil spirits except through prayer and fasting. 
That's the tools he gave us. I love the story in Acts chapter 16, and we won't take time to read it, but most of you know it, Paul and Silas, and they're in prison. And it's midnight. Well, you would think they were they're trying to get some sleep or they were trying to figure out what they're going to do, but here's Paul and Silas. They're praying, the Bible says, and they're singing praises to God. They weren't lamenting to God. They were singing praises to God. God, you're great. You're wonderful. We don't understand this, but we know that you will deliver us. And the Bible says that God sent an earthquake. (coughs) When he did, those prison doors (laughs) were thrown wide open. Stop for a minute. What would you have done at that point? Probably what I would have, we would have run out of the prison. Right? Praise God, we've got our freedom. There was a bigger purpose. There was a jailer that needed to hear the gospel of Jesus. There's a jailer that needed to explain what that miracle was all about. That jailer was afraid he was going to lose his life because of what had happened and all these prisoners could escape. In fact, the Bible says that guard was suicidal. And you know what Paul and Silas did? They said, hey, wait, 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 we're we're not going to run away. Don't, Don't harm yourself. And they led the jailer into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow. The challenge of those apostles being in prison was met with prayer. But notice their prayer to escape wasn't the real reason for the supernatural miracle. It was for the salvation of the jailer and his family. He used that situation, and he will use your situation, whatever you're facing right now. Those challenges will be conquered in prayer. Each challenge through the scripture was met with a great faith, but that great faith came because it had been planted into that person's heart because of a great prayer life. Oh, yes, we offer prayer at the moment. Sometimes it is, God, save me. And he does. But friends, as we pray, we're also building up this residual. It's like equity in a house. So that when we come to the edge of the cliff, we've got this reserve of confidence and trust in God, knowing he'll be glorified. Isaiah 55, I referred to it a little earlier. I want to read it. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he'll have mercy on him. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, you need to forsake your own way. You need to repent. You need to ask Jesus to come into your heart to set you free. And then the Bible says he will surely pardon you, forgive you. That's such a profound piece of scripture that cries out to us today. God is waiting for you and I. He said, come to me. 
come to me. It's not about a posture. It's not about a style of prayer. It's not how articulate you feel in prayer. It's just you pouring out your heart to God, letting God touch your heart and your life with his anointing. I want to ask you again, as your pastor, would you this year strengthen, expand your prayer life? I'm not saying you need to pray X number of minutes. I'm leaving that up to the Lord to show you what needs to be done. But I just want you to join with me saying, Lord, this year, I will be a person of prayer. I will seek your face with all of my heart, all of my soul. And as we do that individually, you see, then as a church, God's going to do something for us. It's not going to happen in the church if it doesn't happen in your life. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and I'm going to close with this. One of the great preachers of all time, he stated this about prayer and the church. The condition of the church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer. So is the prayer meeting a grace-a-meter, and from it we may judge of the amount of divine working among a people. If God be near a church, it must pray. And if he not be there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be slothfulness in prayer. I don't know what your grace of meter says about your prayer life. I don't know what God's grace of meter says about the prayer life of our corporate body, Wenatchee First Assembly. But I'm pretty sure that in both cases, he wants us to just step it up a notch. Just step it up a notch. Privately in our homes, in our families, in the church, praying for one another. See, there's something about being together, something powerful. I looked around and some of you were praying for others today. We need more of that because there's strength in numbers. We stand together. There's a power that multiplies exponentially as we gather together. Would you join me today in just renewing your individual and renewing our corporate commitment to prayer, seeking the Lord. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Let's stand together. Father, it's very clear what the message of this moment is for Wenatchee First Assembly and for every person who's in this room and who's watching online. You're calling us to a deeper commitment to a prayer life. Father, I pray that each of us will say yes to the Holy Spirit. For some of us, that just might 
be starting a daily prayer life. For some of us, it might be expanding it from five minutes to ten minutes. For others, it might be more specific uh, instruction. But God, we don't want to just build a program and hope it works. We want to be people of prayer and then see where that fresh anointing leads us. So God, this morning we cry out to you. And I'm just going to open these altars right now and I'm just going to invite you to come and find a place of prayer. Whether it's here at the front or you can kneel where you are, you can sit. I told Pastor Darth a couple days ago, I said, we're not really going to close this service. I just want people to respond to the invitation to spend some time alone with the Lord. Once you're done praying, you're free to leave. Just leave quietly. This is a house of prayer. And this morning, we're going to make it a house of prayer. Would you join these that have already come? Would you kneel where you're at? Would you come to the Father today? And not necessarily to get a need met, just to know him better, to let the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit flow through your life. It'll increase your faith. It'll increase your spiritual vision. It'll increase your capacity to be used of the Lord. Find a place of prayer. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Run to the Father.